Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. So we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that, came, that is first, but the physical and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as in the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When, the, when this perishable body puts on imperishability, and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Morning, y'all. How are you? Uh, did anybody, did everybody get beads? Woo! Okay. Uh, there are more back there if you need them. I brought some up here. It's Mardi Gras Sunday. Do you guys know what this means? Mardi. Yeah, it is the, it is the Sunday, uh, hopefully not, hopefully we celebrate every Sunday of the year, but it is like the party Sunday. We made sure our hospitality has all these like rich and fatty foods like cakes and donuts and um, we've got beads and we've got celebratory music and y'all are just looking at me like, oh. <laughs> it's a party. It's, a, it's the gospel party, right? Uh, Mardi Gras is traditionally this Sunday where we get to live it up because then what happens traditionally in the church is, is six weeks of Lent where we deprive ourselves of candy and sweet and cakes and, and live this very dour life, right? Uh, that came out of the tradition of, of wanting to grow closer to God in Lent. And so people decided that they would try to give up something that was interfering with their relationship of, with God. Um, and so then that turned into, well, I should give up chocolate, right? Um, <laughs> 
You don't need to give up chocolate for Lent, but I invite you to live it up today and then think um, as Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in the next, uh, in this sermon. What do you want to do in the next six weeks to grow closer to God? Um, But in the meantime, party, because God enjoys a good party too. It's a banquet feast, right? So let's begin this time with prayer. God, thank you for the physicality of this world, for our bodies that get to dance with joy and enjoy coffee and cakes and beads and music. And thank you for your promise of the future where you will also be with us, where you will wipe away every tear, where you will redeem all the bad that has happened. Open our ears in this moment, open our eyes and our hearts, that we might see and hear and experience and live in your love. Amen. So I forgot to introduce myself. I'm Brittany. I'm the pastor. And it's so good to have you guys here today. Uh, about 15 years ago, I'm dating myself because now you're like, how old was she when 15 years ago? About fa- 15 years ago, my friend, I'll call her Tara, and I decided to escape from the Champaign-Urbana area where we were based to Chicago to go to the Dave Matthews Band concert at Soldier Field. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We were so excited. It had been a very difficult year for both of us in different ways. My friend Tara, uh, her mom had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And even though she was in college a couple of states away, about five hours away, she would travel back occasionally to check on her mom. And over the course of the year, her mom uh, finally succumbed to cancer and died. And so this was complicated or, or compounded by the fact that three years earlier, her her dad had also died. And so at the age of 21, my friend Tara was the oldest in her her generation. She had no parents. And so she was asking all sorts of questions that you ask ask when this happens. What is this about? What is the meaning of life? Why all of this pain and suffering? Will God redeem it in some way? What is going to happen in my future? What were my parents' lives worth? It was hard to sit and be with my friend in that space, and so it made it a hard year for me, not nearly as hard as for her, but you can imagine. This was the first time, because I I taught school just a couple of blocks from where uh, my friend Tara's mom lived, I would occasionally check in on her. And this is the first time that I saw a body go from somewhat healthy to decay and ultimately die. And that's a really hard thing to see. And then also in the midst of that year, it was my first year of teaching, and I grew up in a fairly sheltered world where I didn't know poverty, and I was teaching students who lived in extreme poverty. Um, I would take them home from school occasionally, and I would see them go into their house and open the cupboard for an after-school snack, and an empty cupboard would be in front of them. I would see kids that 
some of my students that had been neglected, and it wasn't because their parents didn't love them. Their parents loved them to death. Yet there were systems and structures that were, were not allowing their parents to break out and be able to provide fully for their children. It was a hard year. And so we escaped to this, to Chicago, which sounds funny now since I live here, but we escaped to Chicago to Dave Matthews Band, to the concert for a couple of days. Um, and there we were in a stadium, it was Soldier Field, full of 60,000 of our closest friends. <laughs> and we were hypnotized by the music, hypnotized by the band, the energy, it was electrifying, right? And we were listening and swaying to the music. We were maybe a bit tipsy from the beer that we had, from the music that was playing, and from the recreational smoke that seemed to be <laughs> engulfing us. And then this song came on. We could listen to the whole song, but we'd be here for a while. Isn't that a good song? I can remember standing there and being mesmerized by the message of this song, eat, drink, and be merry, because I knew that for tomorrow we could die. I knew the possibility of death. And so in uh, that stadium filled with people, I felt like I was hearing the gospel truth. Eat, drink, and be merry because we don't know what tomorrow brings. This is an echo of a line you'll find in some Greek literature, but you'll find in the book of Ecclesiastes, which is in our Bible. Um, it is, uh, Ecclesiastes says, all of life is vanity, all of life is futile, right? So it says, so I commend enjoyment, for there is nothing better for people here under the sun than to eat, drink, and be merry, right? So in the face of suffering, in the face of hurt, in the face of our physical bodies, all that we can do is say, well, life, who knows? Let's live it up, right? That's all we've got. And, and there's truth in that, right? This life that we live is physical. It is right here and right now. It is... Um, full of suffering. It is imperishable, as Paul says. Right? Or perishable, sorry. You guys were like not tracking with me there. This is a worldview that many of us share. We have to share because all we know is our bodies that we have, right? And, and it, given, if, if you 
do this in a if you have this worldview in a certain way, one of the logical outcomes is, well, I got to just be in this for me because who knows what's out there. So let me get a job and make lots of money and live my life, live it up, right? Or maybe find a group of people and live it up. That's one view of this. Another view that's a little less jovial but is still very much part of the physical body worldview um, comes from a, a brilliant writer um, named Tanahasi Coates. And he wrote a book a couple of, actually it's probably just been six months ago, called Between the World and Me. I highly recommend you reading it. Uh, but I want to read you just a piece. And his, he is saying this too, like tomorrow we die. You'll hear this, that this is where life ends. His, his, his writing is, is still grounded in what we do here on earth. Um, and so I want, I want you to hear this clip. It's from the child, his childhood in West Baltimore. He says, I could not retreat as so many into the church and its mysteries. My parents rejected all dogmas. We spurned the holidays marketed by the people who wanted to be white. We would not stand for their anthems. We would not kneel before their God. And so I had no sense that any just God was on my side. The meek shall inherit the earth meant nothing to me. The meek were battered in West Baltimore, stomped out at Walbrook Junction, bashed up on Park's height, Park Heights, and raped in the showers of the city jail. My understanding of the universe was physical, and its moral arc bent toward chaos that concluded in a box. Do you hear? It's less jovial, but it's still that same mindset that this is our life. It may be chaotic, but we all still end up dying. Right. Now, Coates, he is critiquing the church for over-spiritualizing um, life at the cost of ignoring the physical ailments that are happening in this world, right? As Christians, we can sometimes fall into this trap of spiritualizing everything, right? Because the present can be so difficult, because there's so much suffering in the world, because everywhere we turn on the news, um, in our news feed, there is pain and suffering and hurt, we can sometimes go to this, to this way of excusing it by saying, well, in the end, it's all going to be okay. It sort of allows us to not have to deal with the physical stuff that's in this world, right? Uh, one of my favorite songs, and I know it's my favorite song, I didn't realize until a couple of days ago, I was looking at my iTunes feed, and you can see like which song is most played on your phone, you know this? And I will say, it's, my most played song is White Noise, um, that we used when my daughter was really young. But my second most played song, the one that I listen to, is uh, by a woman named Mavis Staples, and it's called The Far Celestial Shore. And it is a song that points to this heavenly realm. It is a song that, that points to God meeting us and promising that there will be no more suffering, promising that everything that has happened to this world will be redeemed promising that our life is more than what is happening right here. So I invite you to listen to this song.
I'd prefer to listen to that whole song, but got to stay on time. Isn't it beautiful, that vision that she casts, where the hurt and pain of this world will be no more? I know that when I'm in the place, maybe this is why it's on my iPad so much, or my, when I'm in a place of reading the news, or my own personal whatever, I can listen to that song and be reminded of the promise that, that God has for us, of life after, life after death. We, we, we sometimes think about just like heaven being this really great place, but this scripture passage talks about the, the resurrection of all bodies, right? Not just this like, oh, our spirit's going to go into heaven, but like that there will be a time. It is really weird stuff, y'all. There will be a time when God's kingdom will break forth and we will all be joined and heaven and earth will kiss. And all that has happened in our life will be redeemed. So sometimes I need that message. That is gospel truth too. So we live in this world of dual truths of if you could bring that chart up of the physical and the spiritual right of of the present world that we are in and the future promise that God has for us right of of another word for physical would be body right of our bodies what we're doing in spirit right of of this corrupt world and an incorrupt perfect world do you see this duality that Paul is talking about in Scripture of suffering and no suffering? From, we, we live in a world where we, are, we come from earth. Remember the, the beginning of the sermon series, we, we talked about um, Adam, he, Adam, from the earth and from heaven. Another, another way is that is, uh, you hear Paul say the first Adam and the second Adam, which is Jesus, right? So we live in this world where, where both of these are our identities. Both of these are gospel truth. Right? Um, so Paul is writing to us today, or writing to the Corinthians, because they were having a hard time navigating both of these worlds. They actually, some of them were actually erring a little bit more on the future side. They had it, a lot of Corinth was, yeah, they, they had it okay, but 
they were mostly focused on the future. They, they were like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm not going to work anymore. Because this, this world, this physical world, doesn't matter. What matters is the spiritual world. And so I'm just going to sit here and wait. Jesus is going to be back in a hot minute. And I'm just going to wait it out. And so Paul wrote to him and said, no, no. You've got to do both of these. Both of these together. I think if Paul were writing to this community, and not just this community, but like any group of random people in the United States, he would see that we're probably far more concerned with the physical, that we don't often spend as much time with the future. We're caught up in what our job is, who our friends are, what's going on, how to, right? Like, we are, we are children of the enlightenment, of, of rational thought, and so it's kind of hard for us to think about this future heaven, this, this spiritual thing, right? Or is this just me? Yeah. So the true gospel, the one that Paul writes about, is for us to, to be planted firmly into both of those, right? To live in the future and the present. What this means then as we finish up this sermon series on faith and work is that your work, whatever you do nine to five and whatever you do, it sounds like uh, Chantel, when she was giving her testimony, that she must have had like five jobs, so whatever you do for 100 hours a week um, when you're not sleeping, all of that matters. It matters in the here and now. It matters if you are a scientist and you're working on some sort of new discovery or old discovery. It matters what you're learning. It matters who you are in relationship with and how you are treating them. It all matters here and now. And it all matters for the future, too. That God will use all of that work with all of that and redeem all of that into something beautiful at the heavenly banquet that we wait for. It all matters. I want to just end with one story and offer an invitation. Where's the, is this the clipboard? So Ash Wednesday is coming up, like I said. And Ash Wednesday is a time uh, where we get to go and put ashes on people's head. Traditionally, this happens in a church, but we rent all of our space, so we do it on the streets of Chicago. It is, a, it is a time for ashes to be put on your head. And traditionally, the words are, from ashes you come to ashes you will return. Do you hear the physical in that, the body, the present? Turn to God and be thankful. Do you hear the invitation to the future, to the spiritual realm? So Ash Wednesday is this meeting of present and future of body and spirit, of heaven, of earth and heaven, right? So a couple of, and so I invite you, wherever that clipboard went, we got stations, it's going to be so much fun. We, I, so I've been doing this for five years now. And, uh, well, this will be my fifth year, I think, yeah. And I've been at that Berwyn stop four years in a row now. I'll be, I'll be there again. First story is kind of cool. Last year, somebody came up to me and said, oh, I'm so glad you're here. This, you, this is where I go. Every year, I come here to get my ashes. Isn't that cool? Yeah. yeah. Second story. 
couple of years ago, there was a woman at the Berwyn stop. That's where all the magic happens, by the way, Berwyn stop. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, we're giving ashes for Ash Wednesday. Uh, it's a time for you, Lent is beginning, and this is a time for you to um, sort of order your life and, and turn, turn back toward God. And she said, is it a blessing? And I said, yeah, it's kind of a blessing, right? It's, it's a meeting of heaven and earth. Yes, it's a blessing. And she said, oh, I need a blessing. My husband died, and I'm trying to raise these two girls on my own. We need a blessing. And so I took the ashes. I forgot to say this earlier, but another, another thing that we could say is from the Mumford and Son Sun's song, in these bodies you live, in these bodies you die. You hear the physical? Where you put your love, there you put your life. Spiritual. And I said these words to her. And then she said, will you pray with me? And I said, yeah, I will. And we prayed, and I fumbled through something I don't remember because I was choked up. She was choked up. We were crying. And she said, thank you, I needed that. I needed heaven and earth to kiss in that moment. And she said, I'm going to be back with my girls because they need a blessing too. So she left, and I, you, never, you never know when you're meeting people on the street, but she brought back her girls, and I put ashes on their head too. And I said, from ashes you come, to ashes you return. Turn to God and be thankful. And we prayed, and heaven and earth met again in a kiss. So that's why when we do what we do on the streets of Chicago, we catch this meeting of heaven and earth it is so holy and mysterious to be there. It is awesome. All that we do matters. To go back to the scripture passage today, it ends by Paul saying, Therefore, my beloved, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of God. What is the work of God? All that you do. Everything you do. Be confident that nothing you do, nothing you do, ashes on Wednesday, greeting on Sunday morning, AV, saying hello to a coworker that looks like they're having a bad day, nothing you do is in vain. Thanks be to God.